Jeff. And I'm Craig. And you're listening to Half-Ass Horrorcast. Nights. Ugh. And we're back. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, All right, so continuing, Erie, Indiana, deep dive. My name is Marshall Teller. I knew my new hometown was going to be different from where I grew up in New Jersey, but this is ridiculous. Nobody believes me, but Erie, Indiana is the center of weirdness for the entire planet. Yeah, this time we watched three episodes. Yes. And the next three we watched were... Uh, who is who? Rather, who's who? Who's who? And then, uh, what was the next Marshall's one? Theory of Believability. And Tornado Days. Tornado Days. But the first one we're going to talk about is Who's Who. Yes. Starring Chanel Workman, a.k.a. Ariel Winter's sister. Yes. It's a little bit of trivia I found out from looking on IMDb. I, I didn't know who any of these people were. Ariel Winter's is on Modern Family. Yeah. A show I've seen once. But uh, I know I know her more as a, an internet personality than <laughs> like uh, she's a very uh, what do you call it scandalous Instagram feed. Ooh. So but anyway, this is uh, long before she was ever on a TV show or famous. And uh, this her stars, older sister. Yeah, this stars her older sister. Uh, she plays Sarah Bob. Yes, and she has. A really shitty family and no mom. <laughs> her dad and her brothers are all like super mean and trashy. And uh, she has one little brother who is particularly mean to her, but he's also particularly funny. Like he's <laughs> he's the funniest of the brothers. Yeah, I I really appreciated <laughs> the. the uh, hopefully, I'll be able to find a couple of uh, sound drops from uh, of him. Uh, because he had some great lines, and just the delivery of them were really great. Yeah. Uh, it almost seemed like it was out of context. Like, like the the kids playing the brothers, particularly that brother, didn't even know what the episode was about, or what, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just seemed like yeah. they were like, you know, you're, you're just asshole brothers, just act like assholes. And they're yeah. like, all right. Uh, my favorite line, definitely, well, there, there's one, when Marshall and Simon are, are visiting this young girl's house, um, and, you know, they, they see firsthand, uh, you know, her, her family life. Uh, <laughs> there's one sequence where the youngest brother walks in with like dry laundry <laughs> yeah. and he's like hey remember to fold my underwear this time drops on and the and just ground. drops it and it's just funny to me that it, it implies that he washed his laundry dried it but only wants his sister to fold it for some yeah. reason. It's just a very odd sequence to me. But... You're the one who folds it <laughs> I do the washing and drying don't forget the underwear yeah, the well, I guess we should give like a bit of the premise of the episode. Uh, Marshall and Simon go to the world of stuff, and it's these hellions are just mm. wreaking havoc inside and and it's breaking only, everything. It's only three boys, but in, in the yeah. when when it was first started, I thought it was like twenty. I thought it was yeah. like a huge group of kids, but in reality, it was only three. Yeah, yeah. And the shop owner apparently uh, instead of saying like, "Hey, get the hell out of my store! You're breaking everything." Yeah. He's really just running up a tally, and he's like, I'm going to make their deadbeat dad pay for all this. What's going on here? You've heard of the expression, you break it, you buy it? Yeah. 
these guys are buying everything in the store. There's no way on earth that guy would ever pay for any of yeah, that stuff. He, he's definitely taking a passive role here and <laughs> acting like it's not. Yeah. So. But uh, Sarah Bob, uh, apparently, you know, of, of this family, she is like the normal one who's like a nice, sweet girl. And she she's also an artist. She likes to draw. And Marshall has lost his bicycle. And so Sarah Bob draws his bicycle and then signs it with an eerie number two pencil, which has magic powers. Yes. And brings her drawings to life. Well, she gets the pencil. Her, her asshole brother <laughs> destroys her last picture. I mean, her last pencil. Yeah, he steals it from her and throws it across the room. Right. <laughs> and she's like, well, I don't have a pencil anymore. And Marshall buys her a pencil at the, at the little store. And it's a, the last pencil. It's an eerie number two pencil. And obviously it has magical powers. At least when, when wielded by Sarah Bob, it yeah. has powers. So Sarah Bob, like, of course, her home life is absolutely horrible. She's, you know, got these this awful family who just are just, just total chaos all the time. And they're mm. belittling her and yelling at her and, like, telling her she's worthless and all this stuff. <laughs> and so she uses her new powers for good and uh, mm. draws a, a nice, normal, sweet family. <laughs> and uh, Marshall comes over and he's like, we can't have this. We can't have you being happy. Did you say that uh, you know she draws the picture, but her signing it is what brings it to life? Right. It brings it into reality. And she did it with his uh, bike. Right. You, know, you mentioned that she, she drew the bike, but it, you know, when she signs with her name, it, it literally comes into reality. So yeah. uh, Simon gets the, the spare bike, ends up you know, right. riding it around and everything. But yeah, when Marshall comes to her house and sees that she's redesigned her family, he will have none of that shit. I mean, yeah. he is like really upset by this idea. Yeah, for some reason he would rather her live in just total chaos and instead of having this nice family with a clean house who cooks and is very like sweet and friendly to her. I love you too. May I brush your teeth? Yeah. Uh, instead, he's like, this isn't the way families are. Families yell at each other and yeah. make each other's lives well, miserable. Like, you shouldn't have that, you know. I, I think the most, the, the shittiest thing that he says is, uh... This isn't a real family. I have a real family. It's like, damn, could you have said that any meaner than yeah. I just... That, that's my problem, is not that he takes issue with the concept of her, uh, you know, putting her old family... And a fishbowl yeah. and redesigning them to be like these nice, quaint people. I get that there's a problem there, but his his uh, <laughs> zero to sixty handling of the situation is just really yeah very off putting. You know, it's very it's very weird that he would. I think I guess the the biggest problem with what she did was she drew her her bad family in, into a fishbowl. I think if yeah. if they had just turned from being a bad family into a good family, then You'd be like, well, then what's the How problem? How can you really argue with that? Yeah. I mean, I guess she's t technically taking away their free will, which is kind of shitty. Yeah. But in this case... Yeah. Like making them better people. Yeah. Once again, us being older people maybe yeah. playing a part here. If we were younger, we'd be yeah. like, you know... Like, no, your family should... I don't know. Like Even as a kid, I'd be like, yeah, I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to <laughs> live with those people either. <laughs> and of course, you know, Sarah Bob meets Marshall's mom, who is like... She thinks is the greatest on earth. Marshall's mom's pretty cool. She's um, nice. Yeah, she's been uh, telling Marshall the entire episode to, to paint the garage door, mm. and then you know, jumping to the end. At the end of the episode, the garage door hasn't even been touched yet, and yeah. she brings him out brownies, and she's like, "For the two hardest working boys in Erie, they haven't done anything yet. They haven't even <laughs> touched this garage door. Yeah, they don't even have paint. 
It's <laughs> be noted that uh, Sarah Bob, uh, she draws, she hears about their dilemma of, you know, the, the garage door looks terrible. Uh, Marshall's parents want it repainted and it's his job. And uh, he complains of this and she decides, well, I'll, I'll do a, a drawing that implies it's been painted over. And she chooses to do a portrait uh, or mural, I guess, of uh, Simon and Marshall, kind of uh, Easy Rider-esque. Yeah. They're, they're riding choppers. Yeah. So it's like a mural over the over. And it's pretty great. Um, but obviously, Dad is upset that this has happened and yeah. wants it just painted traditionally. So I'm, 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 I'm glad you finally painted the garage, but this uh, isn't exactly what your mother and I had in mind when we asked you to paint the garage door. Yeah, he doesn't want a mural of his son and his friend riding motorcycles on the garage. He just wants it. A flat, plain color. Yeah. Lucky for uh, Marshall and Simon, though, apparently as soon as they rip up the, the sheet of paper that the drawing is on, mm-hmm. it evaporates. It, it yeah. undoes the magic or whatever. Yeah. So it's pretty easily solved, I mean, as far as whatever she draws or whatever. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, Marshall's mom goes missing and he realizes, well, rather, uh, Simon realizes that his Sarah Bob has taken Marshall's mom. And then Marshall takes credit for figuring it out. And then uh, <laughs> they go over to Sarah Bob's house and they're like, hey, where's my mom? And uh, she's like, well, you know, I just, I just wanted to borrow your mom for a little while. Uh, but also, like, he and Sarah Bob, like, fight over this drawing and it rips. They're just like, dude, why are you being such a jerk about this? Yeah. But um, uh, he, Sarah Bob decides, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll let this these horrible people let them be horrible people but i'm getting out of here so she draws a picture of herself in france with a woman who we're assuming is her mom and uh she just disappears and yeah she could easily come back if marshall just <laughs> picked it up and ripped it <laughs> what if he did that like nope not getting out that easy just whoosh. that really does not seem out of line with yeah. marshall and his character but uh, exactly like no the real world doesn't work like this i have a real mom yeah he just rips it up no so but that's basically that episode. I guess, I, I don't know if there's... Well, one thing I did want to mention that I uh, I wanted to mention in the previous two, but I forgot, is uh, when I was a kid watching the show, uh, you know, it was the early 90s, and we had tube TVs and, you know, color tube TVs. Uh, but at the time, I just remember thinking I would watch older shows that my, my dad would introduce me to, like Twilight Zone or yeah. Andy Griffith's show, whatever, you know, like, you know, shows from that, like, anything. Um, but to me, those shows that were in black and white or, like, maybe in the 70s even, they looked really old to me because the picture quality was so, it just looked old. And uh, I remember at the time thinking, like, this will never look old. Like, <laughs> this show is always going to look like this. Like, this looks modern to me. And, like, watching it back now, it definitely looks old because now we have HD and everything. And now yeah. I'm looking at this thinking like a kid watching this now would look at this and think this is ancient. This looks like it was filmed right. in the 1800s or something like for sure. Uh, but in, in at the time it did, it seemed very new and fresh and like, which I mean, I'm know. sure is what a previous generation said of their programs, right? Is yeah. that it looked brand new when it came out. So yeah, like once color TV came around, they're like, Oh, black and right. white stuff looks old now mm-hmm. compared to this. But now with HD, you know, it, this def- like even the first couple of seasons of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia look really old compared to the most recent seasons. Right, shot in HD. 
Um, so. Yeah, it all looks very quaint and kind of antiquated now. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess that's one of the reasons it's hard to repackage some of this stuff as reruns. Yeah. Uh, I guess a lot of audiences will just be like, what, what is this? You know, and, and, yeah. and won't really appreciate it the same way. So, yeah, uh, like it looks so grainy. And yeah. like, I mean, it does look like... Uh, I mean, it looks like something you could... You can make something that looks nicer with your phone now, basically. Like the, the picture quality is going to be higher. And mm. you could even go into like After Effects and have better effects than they had. But like, I don't know. I still love it though. I think it's it's fun to watch. But I just, just wanted to point out that you know times change, and who knows? Maybe in another twenty years, our HD stuff is we're going to look back and be like, "Wow, look how old that looks." I mean, I can only imagine that's how it's going to be, right? Yeah. Because um, once HD started, I didn't. I thought like, "Well, you can't get any clearer than this," and now they yeah. have four K, and I'm like, "Right." So who knows what could happen later? For sure. So anyway, moving on to the next episode. We have Marshall's Theory of Believability. Yes. Parabelievable. Nigel Jerkon, a professor renowned as an authority on the supernatural, comes to Erie to observe an extraterrestrial object he believes will land here. Marshall immediately sees an opportunity to blow the lid off the Erie weirdness, but is the professor really all he claims to be? Question mark. (laughs) So yeah, this this professor guy blows into town with this tractor trailer truck, and he's you know, it's kind of like the, that old uh, those old episodes where like a guy pops into town, and he's got the magic Alexa. They did like a, <laughs> right, did a right. Bonanza episode like that, and they did a, a Andy Griffith show like that. Mm-hmm. South Park yeah. famously did the monorail episode that's kind of a similar or Simpsons. Simpsons. Yeah. Oh, did I say South Park? Yeah. Oh. The Simpsons. <laughs> Did the monorail episode that kind of famously riffs on that too? Yeah. Mono, don't. Turns out he's a bit of a charlatan. I don't know. He's he's a charlatan, and then uh, he's got this guy who works for him, Michael J. Pollard, uh, and he he makes these. He makes a an alien uh, UFO prop and plants it into the woods, where he runs into Bigfoot and gets freaked out and runs. Mm. And then a real UFO lands, but they think it's the fake one until Ma- Michael J. Pollard's like, "Nah, that's not the one I made. The one I made is way cooler <laughs> than that." You know? Mine was much more realistic. Heck, that thing doesn't even blink. <laughs> I don't really know what to say about this episode. I mean, uh, I, I will say. I feel like this block, these three episodes, particularly this one, this one, uh-huh. uh, it feels like they become more cinematic to me. Yeah, they, they feel like the budgets are higher or something, or maybe it's just the the show is kind of caught its footing or something because they just yeah. seem more cinematic and the ideas seem a little bit bigger to me. Mm-hmm. Like they seem kind of like uh, like this one in particular seems like it could be like a little movie, uh, you know, and right. it doesn't seem like something fitted or well suited for a 20 minute long episode of mm-hmm. something. Also forgot to mention the money grubbing mayor. Oh yeah. It makes a reappearance. He's yeah. done his community service. He's back. Yeah. He's, he's done with his community service. Uh, he and Elvis come up with this, <laughs> yeah. this scheme to buy the space object. On behalf of the Erie Yoshizaki consortium, we prepared to make you our final offer. One million dollars for sole ownership of this space thing. It's a deal. Which I think it's weird that he's consulting Elvis on, uh, you know, purchases for the town. But hey, you know. 
Elvis is so, probably a high roller yeah, in you know. Erie. He's he's a high he's very influential to the earring earring wearing mayor. <laughs> Something I noticed for the first time. I was like, oh, he's got an earring. Yeah. Um, he definitely had it in the previous episode, though. Okay. I noticed it. Yeah, he's uh, the uh, Professor Zircon uh, could learn a lesson on first of all how to lock a door, but also how to like. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. keep, keep his files very a lot, a lot more discreet instead of yeah. just writing in magic marker on the front of each one. Like, <laughs> yeah, Marshall, IDs. Marshall's very, very skeptical of this guy, and he goes <coughs> and breaks into his uh, his trailer, and uh, he conveniently has all of his files marked for all of his illegal activities. Yeah. I mean, he has all he has a file marked with black, like you said, really big black magic marker. Uh, the, on the file, not just a tab, but like written on the ti- on the file. Yeah. Uh, fake IDs, and then there's another file. It's like how I'm going to scam this <laughs> this, this little town. <laughs> and then he writes out, "Find a town with a money grubbing mayor." Blah blah blah. And it's just, and then like Marshall shows up with it. He's like, "I got the proof right here." And instead of being like, "This kid's making this up," he wrote that himself. Right. Who would write that on a folder? You know. <laughs> instead, he just like cops to it immediately. Like, those are my personal files. Yeah, what are you the doing? professor does not have. He's not a very good charlatan because yeah. I mean, I feel like anyone would be quick enough on their feet to be like, "This kid's full of shit." Why do you believe him? It's like that's not mine. Come he's, on. Yeah, yeah, he says just like, "You got me. I got to get out of here." Yeah. Foiled again by a teenage mm. boy. But, you know, cleverly, the twist, like you mentioned, is uh, it was all real. The, yeah. There actually is a UFO and a space object, and at the end of the episode, the real one uh, drifts into space, yeah, and everyone gets off. to witness it. Uh, the professor, along with Simon and Marshall and the professor's assistant, they all yeah. get to see it kind of travel off, and it kind of re... There's kind of a thread going through the episode of, like, you know... Uh, is maybe Marshall or Marshall and Simon maybe buying into stuff that's bullshit? You know, like all yeah. this time where they kind of like it's, it's kind of a Santa Claus type of scenario. They even bring up Santa Claus, yeah. where they want to believe this stuff, but it's not real. Yeah, and he's kind of questioning his faith. It's kind of a that's really the allegory yeah. here. It's like you're questioning faith, and at the end, he has solid proof for himself, even yeah. if no one else sees it. Of, of oh shit, this stuff does exist. So I am not crazy, and uh, it's yeah. I'm fighting the good fight here. Yeah. So it's kind of a redefining, or like what do you call it? Reinforcing uh, his exactly. It's reinforcing his, the show too. Yeah. Just kind of like you know, this isn't BS for these kids. They're really investigating real stuff. Yeah. So, and we um, finally see Bigfoot in an episode, right? Not just in the intro. And it's established that uh, Bigfoot is a female. I'm assuming because yeah, she has a bow like, in her hair. And, yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's the episode I was thinking of, is because I remember, like I said in a previous one, that uh, I you thought there was a centric one. Yeah. yeah, I felt like there was a Bigfoot episode, but I, I mean, I guess I was just making it up into my mind. But um, hey. I guess that's pretty much it for that episode. But the the next episode, yes, uh, Tornado Days. Yeah, this one, one of my least favorite episodes. I think it's not a bad one. It's just sort of like. It's okay. You pointed out it had a Pete and Pete feel to it a little bit. Yeah, it does have a Pete and Pete feel. And uh, we looked it up and found out like this actually came out before Pete and Pete. So yeah. I was I was thinking it was the other way around, but I was wrong. Um, I, I mean, the basic premise is the town, Erie, Indiana, of course, they have a, a little pseudo-holiday, kind of like Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. 
uh, called Tornado Day. Every year, a tornado named Old Bob strikes Erie on the same day. And they've turned it into some kind of mondo voodoo pagan ritual. Where it's like a tornado festival and uh, everyone kind of celebrates the idea that uh, this old tornado, apparently, is like a uh, always yeah, ever-existent tornado old, in the area. Old Bob the Tornado shows up every year on the same day yeah. and blows through town. And Marshall and Simon decide to skip the uh, parade. They yeah. stay at home. And... Uh, it's kind of a, you know, will they, won't they be attacked by old Bob? Mm-hmm. And it seems like they are going to be attacked by old Bob. The doors spring open, wind yeah. starts rushing through. And instead of it being old Bob, it's uh, a eccentric guy. A meteorologist. Yeah. Played by Max Headroom. Matt Fuhrer? Yes, Matt Fuhrer. This is Max Headroom. And what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to a trailer to one of the greatest epics ever produced in the history of television. Um, and his name is Howard, I think. Howard Reamer. Howard. Um, he he falls from the sky in kind of a space capsule type of situation and stumbles out of it and has a fanciful story about how he's a tornado rider. Yeah. And part of an organization that tracks tornadoes and, uh... Called NOAA. Yeah. Which is... I can't remember what it stood for, but... Uh, it's N-O-A-A. Uh, but I have no idea what it stands for either, actually. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. I'm a meteorologist. Oh, okay. Yeah. He tells the boys that, you know, he he rides this tornado and he's got this boom box that he says uh, he can communicate with old Bob. Because communi- old Bob's mm. a, a living being. Yeah, yeah. sentient. Yeah. Yes. And he can, uh, he can communicate with it. And... At a certain point, like, you think that, you know, when he's communicating with old Bob, he's trying to be like, hey, stop destroying stuff. Mm. But when you hear the the message that that uh, Howard has, you know, recorded for old Bob, it turns out he's just antagonizing him. Bob! It's me, Howard! Your mama was a death devil, Bob! Come and get me, Bob! You big bag of wind! We find out Howard has a little back history with old Bob. He's not just a plain old researcher. Apparently, old Bob is responsible for killing his whole team. Uh, he previously worked with several people that you know researched tornadoes, and they were like daredevils and kind of like the movie Twister. Yeah. And uh, Bob killed them all, and Howard was the only survivor. Um, and uh, the resolution to this is kind of odd to me. Uh, yeah. Howard, at the end of the episode, is basically like, yeah, there's a way I can ride the tornado and steer it if I'm riding it long enough. Yeah, steer it towards somewhere where the the tornado will dissipate. It's like over a large body of water. Right. Yeah. And then we never really see if he does it. <laughs> yeah. He just gets blown away in this uh, this trailer. And uh, that's, that's the last we see of them. I mean, I think that's what, you know, the, 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 episode, the episode takes so long to establish the reality of this holiday and the festival. And we see the hijinks of the parents and the sister at the festival. And they basically <laughs> just like, Howard at the end is like, this is what I'm going to do. Okay, do it, Howard. See you. And then he just leaves. And, yeah. you know, he gets swept up in the tornado and it just leaves it ambiguous as yeah. to whether he succeeded or not. Whatever happened to that actor? I haven't seen him in anything in a while. He was he, a- Became a Zack Snyder player because uh, he was in uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake, and he was in Watchmen as well. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he, he's he's around. He was also in Fifty Fifty, that movie with um, Seth Rogen and what's his face, oh, Jordan yeah. Joseph. 
Gavitt. <laughs> Joseph Gavitt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the cancer. He, he's a cancer survivor or a okay. cancer patient or whatever in that. He's a pretty big part. Yeah. yeah, watch that. I remember they they tried to do a uh, Generation X TV series back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was in that. I forget, he, he played like the villain, I think. Huh. Which uh, that that show is a little bit ahead of its time. I feel like that. I feel like a lot of shows now are Generation X. Yeah, Because yeah. I mean, it was a comic book TV show. It was the pilot, movie. though, right? They didn't yeah. actually because they ended up, I think, airing it as a movie, right? Like a movie yeah. event. Because I remember them airing it and thinking, like, "Oh, this is gonna be awesome! They're gonna yeah. do like a like a Generation X TV series." Yeah. Which I was a huge fan of the comic at the time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, back then, so I was excited to see where that went, and it didn't go anywhere. Mm. I, think they, I guess it didn't get picked up, but um, but yeah, I remember him being the bad guy in that. Um, He's still around, still working. Yeah, good dude. I like that guy. He's uh, he's funny in this episode. He's he's got a good. Uh, he's good for like t- kid shows like this. Like, yeah, this, he, yeah, he has an air about him yeah. that you believe him, even though he's kooky. You believe that he's a, a guy that knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he seems like a scientist. He seems like a professor. You know that yeah. sort of thing. So like he, he's he's almost like a Doc Brown type. Yeah, I think he was in the Stand also, the miniseries with Gary Sinise and Molly Ringwald. I think he was a pretty. <laughs> A major character in that, the Trash Can Man, I think is what his name oh, okay. was. So he definitely worked a bunch after Max Headroom and this. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been around. So. Max Headroom. Oh, also, uh, it's also a callback to that previous episode. I know. Like I thought Max that Headroom. as well. Yeah. I wonder if they uh, they're like, hey, let's see if we can get Max Headroom in this. Did a Max he's like, Headroom I'm not available, yeah. but I can do this. A couple of it's episodes like, later, yeah. maybe he contacted them and was like, hey, I saw you uh, did a Max Headroom thing. <laughs> How about putting me in an episode? <laughs> He's uh, like, yeah, sure. So th- I guess that's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I do think this is one of the weaker uh, groupings. These three episodes, yeah. um, as far as just you know the storytelling and everything, it, it seems like very. Also, I, I keep having a problem with Marshall and the way he, he deals with things, which almost yeah, it's kind of like entertaining in its own way. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of funny. He's almost <laughs> like the the Kevin Arnold of the show. Like I don't know if you've gone back and rewatched uh, Wonder Years. Mm. But uh, you watch Wonder Years now, and you realize Kevin Arnold is a dick. Like, <laughs> he's a know-it-all. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's a know-it-all. He's mean to all of his friends. Mm. He's, like, really disrespectful of all adults. And yeah. it's just like, as a kid, I didn't really notice it. But, like, watching it kind of, like, I mean, maybe, like, five or six years ago, I rewatched the whole series. And I was like, man, Kevin is really, like, uh-huh. he's a jerk. <laughs> and I actually, I found, I even Googled it once. I, wrote, I Googled, like, Kevin Arnold is a dick. And, uh... A somebody had like created a blog called Kevin Arnold is a dick, yeah. and they just cataloged every time yeah. he's ever. They went through each episode and like wrote out like, "Here's what Kevin Arnold did that was really shitty in this episode," and like they have screen caps and stuff, and like it's really funny. But uh, <laughs> he's so mean to Paul. Poor Paul. McCovey's off the table. Oh come on, Paul, be reasonable. I am being reasonable. McCovey is off the table, <sighs> unless. You're willing to think about your Williams. Oh, you can't be serious. Willie McCovey for Ted Williams? That's an insult. So maybe that's this early 90s phenomenon. Maybe. You know, the, the, the adolescent protagonist just kind of jerks. Yeah. And also, yeah. that's kind of how we are as kids. Or at least that's how I was as a kid. For sure. I was definitely... Uh, for sure you were. Of course I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah, I mean... Uh, you, 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 know, you get a little older, you hopefully learn how to be a little nicer to people or handle situations a little better but i i'm 38 and i'm still learning i don't really for sure i, I concur yeah so on that note 
join us next time. I think we'll probably try to do blocks of three, kind of winding down. There'll be yeah, I think super got... quick shots. Just kind of. Yeah, I think there's only six episodes left, and uh, I think we we stopped at a good point because uh, there's a uh, a friend of the week in this. Yeah, that's a, that's show. a real funny phenomenon in this yeah. this, this area, Indiana. Yeah. So you got Sarah Bob; she was the friend of the week in that one episode, and then mm. uh, I guess I guess technically uh, Howard was the friend of the week in Tornado Days, but. Mm. There's a, a new friend that shows up in the next episode. Yeah, I think I don't think it'll be fun to, to talk about it. And, <laughs> and yeah, well, Marshall ha- makes a new best friend every week and casts Simon aside. Basically, <laughs> is what happens over and over. Simon again, takes so. a backseat over and over. Yeah. And there's that one like uh, you know breaking the fourth wall kind of joke in that in a previous episode where Simon's he's like yeah. having a dream. I just hate being second banana on the show. What show? Remember. Keep slamming that evil and keep busting. So little to watch. Shut up!